No Bull. Powered by Earnhardt Auto Centers. For a premier destination near you, head to nobull.com. Here's Chris, Crespin, and Simone. And welcome into the Friday edition of No Bull with Chris, Crespin, and Simone. My name is Jordan Simone. Chris Schubert, Sean Crespin here with you on a football Friday. Lots of football to get into. ASU plays this weekend. The Cardinals have a big playoff implications matchup this weekend. Sean, I love this time of year. Every week seems to just be magnified all that more. It's conference championship week in college football. We got the Chiefs and the Saints on Sunday night. I just, I'm so excited for all of the football that we are getting this weekend. It just, it's that time of year. Christmas is next week. I'm just in the festive mood here today. Yeah, you know, I woke up feeling, uh, feeling like Christmas for the first time this year, as a matter of fact, I've struggled to get into the Christmas spirit, but this morning I woke up and my beloved Raiders are essentially, not mathematically yet, but essentially removed from any playoff contention. Uh, I'm thinking about postseason moves they make, they could make this year. Sure. And I'm going, wow, now that feels like my normal holiday time when it comes to the football season. Raiders eliminated and thinking about the postseason with a few games left. So I woke up thinking, there it is. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Here we go. It's holiday season. Can you tell I'm being a little facetious, Schubert? Can you tell I'm still a so little I'm... fired up after last night? Do you want me just to hit the button so we can get to what's Please. in the lead and just get it Please out of do. my system and get it Please. over with so we can get there? Because I got a lot to say. This is they're talking about. Yeah, there was a football game last night to kick off week 15. If you want to it call it that. The, it involved the... Oakland Raiders? I don't know. Based on Gruden's hat, I think it was the Oakland Raiders that were playing that game. He got the hat switch there in time. Las Vegas Raiders. Says somebody played a trick on him. That's a pretty good prank in my book. They lose this game in overtime to Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers. Sean, I know you want to take a Raiders angle on this, and rightly so. But boy, oh boy, is Anthony Lynn every week giving the Chargers more reason to let him go. And Justin Herbert's like, wait a minute. We're going to win football games anyway. They've won two in a row off of fourth-quarter game-winning drives out of Herbert when they've needed it. Uh, this Charger team finishing the season pretty strong, but, boy, there's some bad co coaching decisions being made by Anthony Lynn. I'll let you talk about your Raiders. Uh, I think it's the exact opposite before I get to the Raiders. Um, I think because Justin Herbert's playing so well and the issues of, of uh, situational awareness for the Chargers are so bad coaching-wise – I think it makes him stand out even more as being somebody who's not right for that job. Like, you clearly have the quarterback in L.A. with the Chargers. You clearly do. And I think because of how obvious that is, it just shows how much you clearly don't have the correct head coach because they shouldn't be coming down to the wire and blowing leads and, you know, settling for field goals late and missing them and putting yourself in a situation to lose the football game. And, I mean, that was just an absolute mess on both sides. You know, it was – where do you even start to unpack that football game from last night? The final 10 minutes felt more like a first preseason game than a Week 15 matchup because of the missed field goals and the fumbles and the interceptions and near interceptions. And, I mean, both sides. The Raiders are deep in Chargers territory around the two-minute warning with a tied football game. Have an opportunity to kill the clock. Marcus Mariota misses a wide receiver by five yards behind him. There goes Chris Harris Jr., the other way clearly the Chargers are going to win the football game no they miss a field goal now the Raiders are uh, you know have an opportunity to get back in field goal range they can't do it they say hey let's try a 65 yard field goal that'll work out outstanding uh muff the uh, the 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 snap and hold they took the fall on it they go to overtime the Raiders are driving again they get down within, within the five-yard line. You're thinking this has got to be four-down territory. Their defense, according to the broadcast, Fox had a great stat, gives up 11 points per game in the fourth quarter, the most of any team since 1950. Gruden, you can't possibly kick the field goal and expect your defense to make a stand in overtime to win the game. This has got to be four-down territory. No, the Raiders kick don't the get it. Goal, they don't get it on third down. They kick the field goal. You know, the rest of the Chargers walk down the field get themselves down, almost fumble it away, by the way. Like, what did we watch last night? That was the most awful, poorly played football down the stretch from both football teams for the final 10 minutes of regulation through overtime. And now here we are with the with the Raiders, who were 6-3 and three at one point. 
And and in mm-hmm. and by the way, they were six and three last year as well before going and playing your Jets in the Meadowlands and getting boat raced and everything changed there. They were six and three this year, and you had the coaches and you had Derek Carr making comments about this feels like a different six and three. Well, guess what happened that week? They got boat raced by the Falcons, and it hasn't been the same since again. It's like they hit the same wall this year. Their defense is a joke. They fired the defensive coordinator and on a short week. I mean, there's just there's just Yes, I'm sorry, Schubert. Uh, the fan in me is coming out right now because we're on a okay. podcast, not doing it radio. I don't have to be so analytical on the podcast like I do on the radio show I do Monday through Friday. I can be a little bit of a fan here on the podcast, so it's coming out right now. I, I'm sorry. I, I, I digress, and now I'm sweating. I, 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 I Now I'm sweating. <laughs> Everything you said applied to everybody that played in that football game except Justin Herbert. Like, everything applied except he was great in this football game. First quarter is sensational. The fourth quarter, the only reason why he didn't continue to put up numbers was because some reason Anthony Lynn decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to run the football a lot. I'm not going to go to my quarterback who's really good and is carving up this defense. And, oh, by the way, if you watch the overtime drive, it was right down the field, three plays. They could have probably scored a touchdown on the second throw that Herbert made if he just throws it a little bit further. Guyton walks into the end zone. He was sensational in this football game, and yet they almost lost to the game because of Anthony Lynn's just inability to manage tight situations and fourth quarter lead. It's like it's unbelievable to me how they constantly find themselves in this situation, and he doesn't like luck into doing the right thing once. Which like is why... one time can you luck into doing the right thing? Oh, no, he did last night. I mean, he lucked in. He <laughs> that was the case. He lucked into doing the right thing. They won the football game. Uh, but I think like you, you know what, just. Bring it, get rid of the fan in me, and let's talk about what actually happened. I think uh, the fact that Justin Herbert is looking so sensational makes Lynn look even worse. Uh, and can we can we tip our cap to Marcus Mariota, a guy who hasn't played football in over a calendar year, and the heart that he brought to the table last night? Like that's a dude who clearly, clearly thinks I'm still a starting quarterback in this league, and if I get an opportunity, I'm putting it balls to the wall. I'm going all out. Some of the runs he made last night, taking on linebackers, diving into the end zone over two guys. Like he's getting to the uh, third down and, and scrambles out to his left. He's got to get to the sticks, gets drilled out of bounds. I mean, he was running the ball hard. You still see his issues with not having the greatest arm. He's a little bit inconsistent. And if you want to say, well, you know, he hasn't played for a year, he's going to be rusty, he doesn't get all the first team snaps, that's fair. But it's also a guy that completed 59% of his passes last year, which is why the Titans ran him out. He's not a very accurate quarterback, and that showed. Um, but the man, you got to tip your cap to the guy. He was, he gave it everything he had, and he put the Raiders in a position to win a football game. Coming in off the bench, making plays on fourth down, you got to tip your cap to to what Marcus Mariota was able to do. But that defense, the Raiders don't deserve to be in a playoffs in the in the playoffs this year. You you can't play the way you did against the the Falcons and the way you did it last night against the Chargers and come down to a Hail Mary against your Jets no offense Schubert but if you want to be taken serious as a playoff team you can't roll that defense out there and have historically bad numbers and pretend as if you belong in the postseason postseason tournament you just don't uh and, and so that that was apparent yesterday season essentially comes to the comes to an end for the Raiders um and, and it was just, it was ugly football down the stretch. There's no other way to put it. There's ugly football down the stretch. So, okay, that's off my chest. Do you feel we better? Can, we can get through better? the rest of the podcast. Yes, we can. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. good. All right, item number two in the lead. I don't know if we'll get to all the items now because of how much we sidebarred there. Uh, I feel, I feel better, Harden, though. I feel better now, uh, that's Schubert. Good. Thank that's you. That's what this podcast is about, Sean. And yes. that, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm glad we were able to do here on a Friday. James Harden, he'd like to go to Brooklyn and Philadelphia. Houston says, oh, those are not the only two teams that we're going to talk to. As according to Woj, the Houston Rockets are expanding trade discussions on James Harden. They have called other teams in both the Eastern and Western Conference, and they apparently, according to Woj, are reading from an ESPN story, finding increased comfort in committing high-level trade assets and talks to acquire Harden, those being the other teams that Houston is talking to. So more teams feeling comfortable with the idea of adding James Harden to their, to their roster, meaning that we might not see... James Harden in Brooklyn with KD and Kyrie or in Philadelphia um, with Doc Rivers and Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid or whoever ends up staying in Philly in in a trade there. Doesn't appear that that's the only two destinations on other teams potentially lining up to acquire James Harden. You know what I like about this, though? I think the Rockets have played this perfectly. The fact that it felt as if they had to trade James Harden 
And the Rockets the last couple, what, month and a half? Eh, we don't have to do anything. We'll bring them back. We'll make them show up to camp. We'll make them play. And if we get an offer that feels right, we get an offer that feels like it's it's fair compensation, then we'll make the move. But they, they, you know, a lot of teams will strike when the iron's hot, and you should, right? When a team, when it feels as if a team has to have a divorce with a player, especially in the NBA, you can usually get in and get it on the cheap, right? Because you know that they have to move that guy, so you can offer something and hopefully get in on the cheap. Rockets weren't having it, man. You know, we're we're not moving them unless we absolutely, you know, unless we get a deal that's that's fair. Uh, and if we don't move them, we don't move them. So you you start to get off of that cheap price area and into the more of of what's realistic compensation for an MVP type player and I think the Rockets have played this perfectly if and, and these reports now saying that teams are more willing to give up assets bigger assets larger assets Houston's played this perfectly played it perfectly I think we all thought deep down he wasn't going to be on this roster past the trade deadline right but if you wait until the you know you wait as long as you can for Houston and then the team who feels like they're a James Harden away gets a little bit more desperate, a little bit more desperate, and all of a sudden that price comes back up to where it should be. Houston's played it perfectly, and I love to see it because the players in the NBA seem to call their shots more often than not. And as a fan of a of a of a, of a mid market type team here in Phoenix with the Suns, you like to see teams who just hold their ground and maybe bring that back down to reality a little bit more and stop getting pushed around as much. I, I, I think this is great. Got another football story for you, Sean. When the Chiefs and Saints play on Sunday, Drew Brees is going to be playing starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints, returning from the, what, 11 broken ribs that he had? Oh, don't forget about the punctured lung, Schubert. Don't forget about Sorry, that. Sorry, the punctured lung, yeah. yeah. Okay. So he's, he's playing, starting he's on play. Sunday. Yeah, I... I um, I'm blown away by this. Uh, you know that now they're they're fighting for their first round by lives in the in the NFC playoff positioning, right? Like they're technically behind Green Bay right now for yes. the first seed in the NFC. So it's a big game for Drew Brees and the Saints. And and to be honest, if you rolled out Taysom Hill again, you don't have the firepower to keep up with that Kansas City Chiefs team. But but the what we've what we've seen out of even a healthy Drew Brees this year, what makes you think? That you have the firepower to keep up with them right now with Drew Brees. I listen. I, I I give him a ton of credit for coming back this this quickly and probably fighting through an awful lot of pain. They'll throw a flak jacket on him. They'll give him the shot. You know, send him out there. This seems a little crazy to me though. Eleven cracked ribs and a punctured lung. That was four weeks ago. Four weeks ago. Sean, I got. He's gonna play yeah, football this weekend. Play. Unbelievable. I couldn't think about doing anything for four months after no. puncturing uh, a lung and, and, and breaking 11 ribs. Sean, I got a story that couldn't be more up your alley. I have a hockey story in the lead here on a Friday. So put the put that NHL cap on. Give me those NHL hot takes. Because yesterday, the NHL told its seven Canadian-based teams that there is a possibility that they are going to have to play in the United States this season due to roadblocks with Canadian health authorities. Now, for those of you who maybe don't know, the NHL is planning to play a 56-game season starting on January 13th with teams playing in their own arenas. Now, they were going to realign the divisions. There was going to be an all-Canadian division because of the, the border between the U.S. and Canada was closed due to non-essential business. But some health authorities in Canada have challenged some of the NHL's protocols, which could force them to change. So, Sean... All the Canadian teams pack their bags, find a city near you, because the Canadian teams might have to come across the border and play in the United States all year. Uh, I mean, it's not surprising, right? I mean, it's it's funny. Like, it it all boils it all boils down to the political side of things. Like for instance, all these different teams coming here to Arizona right now on the college ranks, right? Uh, even college basketball teams now relocating here locally. Our numbers are out of control too. So I mean, what 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 scientific reason tells you to head out? Hey, let's just head down to the valley. That'll that'll work. No, it's all political. So this doesn't surprise me. The NHL wants to get a season in. They're going to have to do something. Uh, so this isn't surprising at all. I'll be interested to see what pushback there is, if any, from the players' association. Because if you're telling those seven Canadian teams that hey, you have to leave relocate, your families for the yep. whole year and relocate because you can't go back across the border. Right. That's gonna be that's a tough sell. I, I think that's almost an impossible sell from the National Hockey League. But they're gonna need to do it because their revenues are down because of what happened last year and they're already yeah. shortening the season as is. So they're under they're under pressure to make this work. They have uh, so millions we'll see, of reasons. Millions of reasons why they should accept 
that uh, and not push back too hard. Uh, millions of reasons to to make it work and play hockey. Uh, they'll get it done. That'll do it for In the Lead here on the program. Some of the top trending stories here on a football Friday. Speaking of a football Friday coming up next, the Cardinals, they hold the playoff spot right now through 13 games. How much has Kyler Murray in this offense improved from 13 games a year ago? We'll get into it next here on Noble with Chris Crespin and Simone. But first, I got to tell you about our friends over at Earnhardt Auto Centers, locally owned and operated since 1951. If you've lived in the Valley for any amount of time, you know Tex Earnhardt. You know that you 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 know Earnhardt Auto Centers, and they're a proud partner of Noble with Chris Crespin and Simone. 19 Arizona locations, 21 dealerships, 17 brands. The Noble Express option that we tell you about all the time. Absolutely sensational. Just go to noble.com. Look at the top header there, right in the middle of the website. You'll find no, the Noble Express option. You have the entire buying process. Make it an absolute breeze from right there in the comfort of your own home. Social distancing and everything going on. You don't even have to leave the house. They'll bring a vehicle to your front door for you to test drive. The financial application is done online as well. They deliver the ride to you. You're, you know, once you once you do finish your your purchasing process, all done again online with the Noble Express option at noble.com. Don't have to leave your front door to experience the Earnhardt commitment to world-class service and low prices that just can't be beat. The Earnhardt name, you know you can trust that a 69-year commitment from their family to yours. Earnhardt Auto Centers and Noble.com. That ain't no bull. Sean, the Arizona Cardinals currently hold the seventh seed in the NFC playoff race. They will be hosting the 4-8-1 Philadelphia Eagles, led by Jalen Hurts, on Sunday. And we can get into that game a little bit here at the tail end of this segment. But I was perusing the internet, and as all as all good things start by perusing the internet, and I saw, I would consider him a colleague of the show. I, I'll go far as a friend of the show. I like this gentleman. Mike Jarecki, who works for the Cardinals, has covered the Cardinals for a long time. I saw a tweet that he put out with some stats comparing Kyler Murray through 13 games this year and Kyler Murray through 13 games last year, and it was a side-by-side. And I'll go through some of the numbers here, and then we can discuss my larger point. Obviously, the record is different. This year, 7-6. and six. Last year, they were 4-8-1 and one through 13 games. Uh, Kyler, 3,200 passing yards, just over 3,000 through 13 games last year. Completion percentage up about 3%. Seven more touchdowns, only one more interception. The big number that I think everyone's going to circle, only 21 sacks compared to 46 a year ago. And then the other thing that I think stands out, 712 yards on the ground compared to 448 a year ago, albeit on 40 more for 40 more carries, excuse me, and then 10 more touchdowns on the ground, four in 13 games a year ago. And in Jarecki's tweet, and I'm not trying to put Jarecki on blast. He was the one that put all this together. He said that this offense is still growing and learning with Cliff and Kyler, but it's a big improvement from a year ago. And the question that I had when reading the tweet and looking at the numbers is, I don't know if when I watch games on a weekly basis that I feel that it's a big improvement. Yeah, the record tells me that they've improved. And those numbers, when you break them down, yes, Kyler is better than he is a year ago. But, Sean, I don't know if I feel watching the game start to finish through all four quarters that I feel like it's a big improvement from a year ago. Well, there's there is a big improvement in some areas and and not so much in others, right? I mean, if you look at the passing yards, you just threw the numbers out there. It's 200 yards different through 13 games, so not a lot, right? But it is trending in the right direction. The arrows pointing up there. There is you have a bit you have a a better completion percentage. The arrows pointing up there. The 23 touchdowns to 16 touchdowns a year ago. That to me talks is directly tied into the success they've had in the red zone. The Arizona Cardinals, one of the better red zone teams in the NFL, and a lot of that has to do with his ability to run the football in the, down in that area as well, but his passing touchdowns are up, so there are, there are there are some improvements, and there's a couple that are significant. I think the touchdowns is a is a significant gain for Kyler Murray, but the one that stands out the most to me are the sack numbers. 21 sacks through 13 games to 46 sacks last year. There's a, a two almost a 200-yard difference in terms of yards lost based on the lack of sacks there 21 you know 21 sacks this year the cardinals have lost 134 yards on those sacks last year with the 46 sacks at this time he had you know the cardinals had a a a loss of 305 yards on those kyler murray sacks and what i see what i what i think of when i look at those sack numbers coming down because a lot of them last year and he'll tell you this anybody who watched the cardinals can easily see it 
A lot of those sacks were on Kyler Murray last year, and that had to do with a young quarterback not knowing where to get rid of the football, when to get rid of the football, the timing of it all, and you're seeing growth there. So there's there are a handful of things that he has grown, you know, areas in which Kyler Murray has grown significantly. Um, overall, no. You know, overall, I, I, I'd agree with you, Chris. When I watch the games, I don't feel like it's been a significant growth. I mean, you have more highlight-type plays, so it feels like it. You have more rushing touchdowns, 10-4 to 4, last year, so it feels like it. But overall, there's still a lot of room for growth. Kyler will tell you that. Cliff will tell you that. Steve Kime will tell you that. You know, there's a lot in terms of just reading the, reading the field, reading the defense, making the right play. He's got a lot of room to grow. But you can see the growth within just understanding what's going on around him by simply looking at those sack numbers. 46 a year ago, down to 21. So there's there's definitely there's there's a lot of growth there. And maybe my skepticism or my hesitation to say big improvement is misguided. Maybe I shouldn't be directing it at Kyler and at the team overall, right? Because they're on a weekly basis, we discuss some of the coaching blunders from Cliff Kingsbury. We talk about some of the, the disciplinary issues with all of the penalties. Those have been the big talking points of this season for us on a weekly basis because game in and game out, those things seem to rear their ugly head at inopportune times. Now, because of that, and because those things have directly resulted into some bad losses and to some bad performances, I think it's a little unfair if for me to kind of put those on Kyler, right? Because Kyler has played better in year two than year one, yet because of some of those in-game things that are, that are not entirely all on him, I feel like there is so much more this team could have accomplished this year, and they haven't. So I'll admit, probably unfair of me to lump all of that on Kyler, but when we talk about this team having a big improvement from a year ago, it doesn't feel like it. Yes, Kyler has improved, and Kyler has made improvements in some key areas that you just outlined. I think fixing those sack numbers is the biggest reason why they've been able to go from four wins through 13 games a year ago to now seven wins, because they're not putting themselves in even more disadvantageous situations than they were a year ago, allowing them and allowing Kyler to be put in situations to succeed. But I, again, I think there was so much more opportunity as we have gone through this season for them to be better than they are. So I do feel like they're, they're they've missed out and I don't feel like there's been that big leap that they could have made. I mean, what, what were your expectations? And that's really what it boils down to. What, what should your expectations have been for year two? You know, I see a, a positive arrow in terms of yards at this point, a positive arrow in terms of completion percentage, a positive arrow in terms of, uh, of touchdowns. Now, he does have one more interception, but he's also thrown the football uh, more this year than he had last year at this point. A positive arrow with yards per, per pass, an extremely positive arrow for, 20, for, for the, the, the less sacks, cut it over half. You have a positive arrow in terms of the rushing yards per carry, positive arrow in terms of the touchdowns. Now his fumbles are up. He's lost the same amount of fumbles. that He had, he had four, three fumbles and lost all three of them um, last year. You know, seven fumbles, three lost this year. So those numbers are up, unfortunately. But across the board, you have a positive arrow, which is it's all you can ask for. Is it a huge leap? No. Outside of the sack numbers, no. But I'm telling you, those are drive killers, man. And the fact that he's been, you know, mm -hmm. just there's nothing wrong with getting rid of the football, avoiding a sack, throwing the ball out of, you know, out of bounds over the top of the head of a of a wide receiver. And I'll tell you this, we were we were talking about all of the intentional groundings that Kyler seemed to get right last year, and then the first handful of games this year it felt like Kyler Murray was was still getting those intentional grounding calls, and that was a quarterback who was sped up and not necessarily knowing where to get rid of the football. When was the last time he had an intentional grounding call? It's been a while. I I so can't remember. The I last me either. And time. so again, that it, is it a doesn't growth. immediately come to the right, front of that, the brain. That's that that shows a quarterback who's understanding what's going on around him a, a better. You know, I mean, this is a kid who's played less than thirty football games in his career. Let's remember that he didn't play a ton mm -hmm. of college football either. So let's remember that. You know, he, he is a young quarterback in the NFL. So to see positive arrows. You know, whether it's a small gain or a large gain, and, you know, depending on the statistical category you're looking at, you'll get one of those two. 
Uh, I, I it, That's good news if you're a Cardinal fan. Now, there is still a ton of things he has to clean up. There's a ton of plays that they miss that they could have. Um, you know, at times it feels like he has to be sensational just to complete a, a you know, elementary sticks route. You know, it's, it feels, it feels difficult at times, but I think that'll continue to grow. That'll continue, you know, give year three, year four. You know how I say it all the time, Chris, you've done enough shows with me now. And we've had discussions like this. I'm usually rule a three of year rule. I'm usually rule of thumb three year guy, you know, at the end of three years. All right, let's really evaluate and see what you've given me. And then we'll talk about going forward. Uh, but you've, you've got positive arrows across the board for Kyler Murray in this comparison of last year to this year. Uh, th- that's all good news. And the sack numbers being over, more than cut in half, the, number, the amount of yards you've lost on those sacks, more than cut in half, those are drive killers that you're no longer having to, to overcome. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of improvement there. I very quickly want to touch on the game on Sunday when the Cardinals host the Eagles. And I want to get your thoughts on this this angle of it, this question that I have. Sean, I've been I've been thinking about this game all week in in preparation for today's show about, you know, looking ahead for what the Cardinals have to do to beat the Eagles on Sunday. And yes, I know that it has been a bumpy ride the last couple of weeks, but I feel like after the Giants game that you're home, you're playing an Eagles team that's starting a new quarterback for just the second week in Jalen Hurts, you should win this football game. Right? This is not a game that we look at and say, oh, the Eagles can, you know, the Eagles will keep this close and they can they can win this football game. No, the Cardinals should take care of business in this football game. When I said that last okay, week, okay, decide, I mean, go ahead, well, go ahead. Last week, I, that's exactly what I was trying to tell you and you and and Jordan last, you know, when they were going into that Giants game, that they're a more talented football team. It's a team you should beat. Go on the road and take care of your business. You know, and you guys kept telling you you're pulling the whole Lee Corso on me. Not so fast. Listen, it, the Cardinals are a more talented team than this this Eagles team. I'm glad to hear you've come around that they should go in and win a game. Because I know people were hesitant. Though. Wait a minute. People were hesitant. People people back. were hesitant to say that this Arizona Cardinals team should ever feel confident to go in and say we should win a football game. No, they should have won last week. They did, and they should win this week. And I believe that they will. But what is your pushback? My pushback is this Giants team and this Eagles team are were in two different spots when we were evaluating them. Are they? When we had this, don't give me that look. Wait, you wait a second. Let me finish my point. When we had this conversation last week, it was the Cardinals overall trending downward and a Giants team that was trending upward coming off of a, another big win over Seattle. Okay, let's flip the script now. Let's go to this week. The, Car- the Cardinals coming off of taking care of business against the Giants. All the Eagles have done in the last month is beat the Saints. Do you want to know what they've done in their other game, Sean? They have four straight losses to the Giants, Browns, Seahawks, and Packers, a team that is not going in the right direction and maybe caught the Saints off guard with Jalen Hurts last week. Two totally different situations. And now I think the Eagles, if we were doing a power rankings and there was the up arrow or the down arrow or the you know the little dash because they're not trending in any direction, the Eagles would get the little dash. They're not trending in any direction where the Cardinals have kind of put themselves back in a trending upward direction. Okay. You know how I, you know you know how I'm big on putting context to conversations. Yeah, because I only have one tab open in front of me on the league's website here. Uh, read those games that the Eagles or the Eagles have just played to me again, please. Uh, the, the Giants, the Browns, the Seahawks, and the Packers. Oh, before okay. beating the, so the, the, the Saints the, last the week. The NFC's number one seed. The uh, they lost to them. That's not shocking. A team that's the the securely in the playoffs in the Browns. Um, you know, so put context to it. Those are good football okay. teams. You you don't yes, want are. you don't want to give them credit for losing to good football teams. Yet one week ago, you were ready to crown the Giants all of a sudden a turned around team when they only had wins against Washington twice, Philadelphia, and Cincinnati outside of the Seahawks game. These two teams. You know how hard it is. The you Eagles, know how hard it is to win four games in a row in the National Football League? And the Giants did it, and they beat a Washington team who's red hot right now playing extremely good football, and they beat the Seahawks, and they beat this Eagle team that now you want to you wanna give more credit to. I'm just saying they're in very similar situations. We were Put it this way. We were asking ourselves going into that Giants game last week, have the Giants turned the table? Have the Giants figured this out? After the Eagles make the change at quarterback, and they beat – at the time, the NFC's number one seed in the New Orleans Saints, I think we're asking the same thing right now, right? No, Have the Eagles stop. figured stop something it. out stop here? It. No. 
So I think it's a fair I had a question. Bigger sample size with the Giants. I had four games in a row that they had won going in. You want me to make this determination off of one game in which Jalen Hurts came in and played well and had a hundred yards on the ground and a hundred yards through the air and completely caught the Saints off guard? That's you want me to you want me to make the, the same argument for the Giants and the Eagles based on one game? I think you're Come asking on. this I think you're asking similar questions. I think you are. I think you are. You're asking whether or not this team's figured it out. Uh no, e- either way. Like I said at the start of this conversation, game I'm just I'm just giving you a hard time because I I I think you're 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 contradicting yourself with the way you're looking at the Eagles opposed to how you were looking at the Giants. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I still feel the Cardinals are the more talented team, like I did last week against the Giants, and they should win this football game. And I'm comfortable with saying that. Like I know some people are saying the Cardinals haven't done a damn thing to make you say that they should win any football game yet, but I I'm comfortable saying that you're better than the Eagles. You're in a playoff race. You know what's on the line, and you've got some solid veteran leadership in that locker room with Larry, with uh, you know Chandler Jones is is out, but he's you know still a voice within that football team. If you don't think guys talk and text and get in each other's ears still, even when they're gone and not not around the facility, you're crazy. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins wants another opportunity to make a playoff run. Patrick Peterson, you got a lot of veteran leadership in that locker room, so uh, the Cardinals will show up ready to play football. They're a better team than the Eagles, and they should win this game this Sunday. They really should. I agree. If you want to be taken seriously as a playoff team, which they are right now in the seventh seed, these are games you win, right? You you win these football mm-hmm. games where you are the more talented team, and that's what they'll have to do uh, on Sunday. Coming up next, a little buy or sell football edition. But first, Sean, can we buy or sell whatever is going on outside with your neighbor who's apparently mowing their lawn or something? <laughs> what is happening outside? I could, I it's know, just man. echoing through my my headphones. Somebody, I was hoping it wasn't that loud. Somebody next no, door. No, it's loud. Yeah, it's got the you know they got the landscapers oh, out the there going. Blowing the blowing the leaves out of the street right now, yeah. So it's it's the it's the the neighborhood, you know, the HOA landscapers that were hired to clean up all the leaves that are in the streets. So we'll, we'll we'll make. How about this? We'll put on the buyer said bell. Probably it'll probably cover it up. There we go. See that a little bit better. I just, I just, it's it's you know ten o'clock in the morning where you are almost eleven when we're recording this show, and there's mm-hmm. just noise outside i mean i have a zamboni outside the apartment of my sisters that i'm staying at you barely hear that when we're doing the show hey where are you at right Goodness now you're in dc i'm in so i'm actually just a little bit outside of dc in maryland staying mm. with my sister and right outside below her apartment complex they've built an ice skating rink for everybody to to go skating well uh, every every hour on the hour that zamboni comes flying through cleans the ice it's a little loud out there all right, a football-related buy, buy or, or sell. sell. Schubert has gone ice skating so far while at his sister's house. Buy or sell. That would be a sell. Be a sell. <laughs> that would be a sell. I have not done that yet. No. By the way, uh, I actually Boring. looked into this. You you had to book your appointment for the ice skating rink six weeks in advance. Wow. Probably because the whole COVID yeah, six thing, weeks right? In advance. Yeah. Probably. Probably has something to do with it. Uh, Sean, you're going to have to add our uh, uh, the sound effects in post here because my phone's not working today. That's so. fine. I you'll have to add in our buy or sell afterwards. So I will ask you the question. We can respond. A football-related. Got some college stuff in here as well. Uh, buy or sell number one here, Sean. Justin Herbert's play will save Anthony Lynn's job. Buy or sell? I'm selling that. I'm selling it. Sell, you know, sell, we listen. We sell. we talked about this earlier, right? I think it's the exact opposite effect. I think the Chargers now see, man, we really have figured out this quarterback situation. We shouldn't be blowing late game leads the way we are with a quarterback of that talent. You know, it, it, Herbert's been sensational. I think it's the other way around. I think it, it makes Anthony Lynn and some of the situational coaching decisions stand out even more. And, and I, I don't see how they, they possibly keep him around this year uh, in L.A. I, I, I just don't. It's unfortunate. I, listen, the guy can coach, right? I think he's a good dude. I don't know if you guys watched um, uh, Hard Knocks this year. I've never had a chance to meet Anthony Lynn, but he just seemed, he seems like an outstanding guy. Uh, but that doesn't get that doesn't win football games, you know. So it's a it's a what have you done for me lately business. And and right now they have the quarterback. Uh, you need to find the coach to go along with that quarterback. And I just don't think he's the guy. And I think with every game where they blow late leads or they have situational moments like they did last night on Thursday night football against the Raiders, where they nearly blow a football game, and the way Justin Herbert plays, I think it makes him stand out even more. So I got I got I got I got to sell that. I'm buying this one, and, and here's why. The one thing that I think Anthony Lynn gets criticized more than anything is situational awareness, mm-hmm. situational football. Yeah. And last night, calling the timeout on his own kicker, right, only throwing the ball one time through about, like, 
three quarters of the fourth quarter right before he let Herbert throw the ball. I, I mean, just there's things like that that he just doesn't seem to have a grasp of or, or something. I don't know what's going on with the situational football and the situational coaching in L.A., but do you know what alleviates that, Sean? Do you know what happens? If you win football games, we don't talk about it. We talk about it with Cliff Kingsbury on a weekly basis. More times when they lose than when they win, right? And if they win football games down the stretch, they have the Broncos next week, Sean. If they win that football game, they finish the year. They have the Chiefs at the end of the year who probably are going to sit everybody. Yeah. They could realistically finish the season 3-1, and 4-0. and oh. You don't think ownership and the front office are going to say hey, run it back finish the season with six or seven wins no give anthony lynn year two adjusted herbert I, no i i think if, if they play well and they win these last two football games anthony lynn will be the coach next season uh, of the los angeles Chargers. if if he is it's a mistake but i'll tell you this uh ownership doesn't care what you me or anybody else in the media has to say they put context to a situation and they look at things realistically and if, if you look realistically at the body of work of Anthony Lynn, it's not great. And again, you have a window with, with rookie quarterbacks, right? You've got the five-year window when you draft a guy in the first round. You have the, four, the four, first four years plus the team option gives you a fifth year with, uh, on the contract, that you know the, the team-friendly rookie contract. You can't waste those years, man. You can't. You've got the guy. You have the guy at quarterback. And I think you be based on the body of work that is larger than just the last two games where you squeak by against a, a bad Raiders team. You know, it's not enough for me. You know, I, I don't care what the optics are. And, and, and no, the, Ra the Chargers won last night. Does that mask the fact that it was really poorly coached in a lot of different situations? It might to the fans. They might forget about it. Like, for instance, when the Raiders hit the Hail Mary against the Jets, man, I felt all warm and fuzzy inside for a 48-hour stretch. Guess what it didn't do? It didn't mask the fact that their defense is hot garbage. You know what I mean? So it, it, it that is still a reality. Yes, the Chargers won against the Raiders last night, but the reality is that Anthony Lynn still struggles in a lot of different areas as a head coach, and I'm not willing to waste a year of a of a franchise quarterback on a team friendly deal. Let's let's get the right guy in there. Let's get him in there now. Buyer sell number two, Sean. I'm going to read you mm -hmm. two quotes from Notre Dame head coach Brian Kelly. ACC championship media day is going on as we speak here on a Friday. I want you to buy or sell these comments so we can take them individually if you would like. Uh, comment number one, quote, I, I, I'm not sure if we'll play in the playoffs if parents can't be there. And then this other quote, quote, it is an absolute shame and a sham if parents can't be watching their kids play, end quote. Brian Kelly on the potential of Notre Dame going to the Rose Bowl and players' parents not being allowed to attend the game. Quote, somebody's got to wake up in that room and figure that out. Buy or sell these comments from Brian Kelly. Ugh. I mean, I buy, I buy that uh, friends and family should be able to be there. Um, you're talking about a huge... Heck, we allow family friends and family in to watch ASU basketball in small desert financial arena. You're telling me you can't sure. find a way to allow friends and family to go watch their kid play in a, in a giant football stadium. You're telling me that's not possible. So I buy that to boycott though, to not play. You got to sell that hard, sell, sell, real hard. Sell. Yeah. That, he's, that's some posturing by Brian Kelly. That is, that is him trying to kind of nudge the people at the Rose Bowl to, to get this game to a place where they would be able to play. I'm selling both comments, Sean, and, and here's why. I'm selling the comment about, well, I'm not sure if we'll play if parents can't go. That, that's a load of baloney, okay? Because if you make the college football playoff, you're not going to be the team that says, you know what? We're, We're good. We're not going to play. <laughs> yeah. No, We're that's, good. that's like, why I said hard sell. On, that's why I said hard sell on that one. Specifically, if they beat Clemson again, they'll have two wins over Clemson. They'll be unbeaten on the season. They would have a realistic chance to win the whole thing. Like, they could give Alabama a run if they win against Clemson. They would be considered that good. I'm selling the other sell, comments because, listen, sell, sell. I hate to be this guy. There's a global pandemic going on. And I don't know if you've seen the numbers in California lately on a daily basis. I don't know if you've seen the numbers across the country lately on a daily basis. We don't have this thing under control. We don't have the spread of this thing under control. And the last thing that I think is a smart decision by the NCAA, the Rose Bowl Committee, and everybody involved in this is to stick a bunch of parents, family, friends, whoever's going to be allowed in, 
on a plane, send them to California where things are not good right now and put all these people at risk. I understand. I get it. It's not great. You don't want this to be the case, but you have to look at the reality of the situation and the numbers and the state that this country is in right now. I don't think it is the safe and right thing to do to, to tell family and friends to get on a plane and head to California where this game could be played. I understand what Brian Kelly is saying. Of course, these kids have worked hard all year. They've been away from family, family and friends all year to get to this moment. They would love to share it with them. But, man, there's a global pandemic going on. Unless the NCAA is going to start a bubble for the semifinals and final of the college football playoff, which they can let families into and test them to allow them into the building, I just don't see them doing this. So I'm selling both of these comments. Now. It's not just it's, three it's not, more. It's not just Go this ahead. year. It's their entire lives that they worked for that that opportunity. It's not just this year. It's the they're, they've worked their entire lives for that opportunity. And if you're telling me that we have to put them all into one room and everybody has to stand shoulder to shoulder or sit in one section and be all shoulder to shoulder, I'd agree with you. But there's there's ways to do this and do it safe very easily, very easily. You're, have you ever been to the Rose Bowl? I've been to the Rose Bowl three times now. It's a big place. <laughs> you can you can figure out a way to have people spaced out safely in the Rose Bowl. You just can. I I, I so I I sell hard sell his comments about not playing, but I have to buy the fact that yeah, fine. You could find a way to get friends and family there. You really can't. Topic you three. certainly can't when the governments in California are right. telling the San Jose Sharks they have to go play elsewhere. The 49ers, it actually just got announced that uh, they're going to have to have their season finale not at Levi Stadium. So right. the Cardinals need to make some room. The 49ers and where, will be playing you know, here funny. to end it. Right. And where are all those teams going? They're, they're coming, coming here, which okay. the numbers are, are worse. bad too. Trust me. So it, it's, it's all Paul. It's all. It's all. It's, it's, it's correct. Yes. But. But the number, like the numbers of cases, and and uh, just on the science alone, it's a bad idea. But I understand the politics part of it that's coming. It's into all play. optics, all right, dude. They're sending people move. here. It's crazy. Next one. Topic number three, and I know Sean is a hard sell on this, but I'm a big believer in this. Mm-hmm. Browns Giants Sunday Night Football, buy or sell the Freddie Chins revenge game. He is calling plays in this game for the Giants. Since Jason Garrett is out because of COVID-19, you are buying or selling the Freddy Kitchens revenge game. What am I buying or selling? Like that I'll watch the, the game? Gi- no, that the Giants are going to win because it's the Freddy Kitchens revenge Oh, that the Giants game. are going to win. Yeah, oh, the Freddy Kitchens revenge oh, game. Oh, gosh, okay. no. Okay. Sell that. Sell, sell, sell. Yeah, sell. no. The, the, the Browns are the much better football team here. I'm, I'm selling that. Especially, listen, the Browns have locked up their first ever uh, non, not first ever. First non-losing season since 07. Feels like first ever, right? Uh, yeah. And now they have an opportunity to put themselves in a good position, you know, seeding-wise, and lock up their 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 ticket to the playoffs. No, they're not losing this football game. Freddie Kitchens revenge game. Yeah, I mean, come on. You know how many times the we Cole McCoy revenge game. You know how many too, times we? You know how many times we see coordinators? Like for instance, when the Giants play the Cowboys this year, was it the Jason Garrett the Jason revenge, Garrett revenge game? game? It was. They lost it, but it Jason I mean, Garrett come on. Game. Next. We got the Ron Rivera revenge game coming up in a couple of weeks. Washington takes on Carolina, I think, next week. No? You're not buying that one? That, that one you should buy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm buying that I'll be watching. That's a heck of a football game. Giants trying to get back into the playoffs. Browns trying to lock up their ticket. Yeah, I'm buying that, but I, I'm, uh, I'm selling that I believe that the Giants are going to have this revenge factor win. No. Sell that. I will also sell it as well. I was trying to get you hyped for it, but I will sell it as well. Um, uh, Buy or sell topic number four. Uh, The owners of the National Football League met via teleconference. They normally have their owners' meetings in Dallas around this time. They did it via uh, probably Zoom, I would assume. Um, And they kicked the can down the road, Sean, on making a determination on whether or not there will be a 17th game in 2021. As you know, they agreed in principle to add a 17th game to the regular season. Uh, I believe before the season began, I think during the summer, they had these conversations and they decided to add that 17th game, but they've kicked the can down the road on officially cementing it. So I ask you this question on December 18th, 2020, and I'm going to hold you to it if it happens or not. Buy or sell, there will be a 17th game added to the 2021 NFL regular season schedule. 
sell. Sell, sell, and I, sell. And, and, and because I think there's just too much uncertainty still in terms of what we're going to be looking at next year. So um, I think we all hope, right? You got vaccines starting to make their way through the country. Uh, things hopefully will trend in the right direction once we get through the winter months and everything will hopefully look somewhat normal when we're gosh please if it's not i don't know what my where my mindset's going to be at if we're not looking at normal anything that, that resembles a normal football season come next september but i think there is still some uncertainty right so i think 2021 if you're going to put me to to if you're going to hold me to that the way the question is written that there will be a 17th yes. game no, added don't do next that. Don't give year. me some semantics the way the question is written. Answer the question. I, I did answer the question. I said sold. And the reason why is because I can't I can't buy it for next year. I think there will eventually be one. You know, I, and I know the NFL also in these meetings were trying to eliminate a couple of preseason games, which I think... Roger Goodell the, was leading that charge. Is the Which I also believe is the only way that the NFL PA signs off on adding an extra regular season game is by... Limit, eliminating at least one preseason game. Roger Goodell was pushing for that, and I think because he knows that exact fact that I just laid out. But the problem is, who were the owners, Chris, that you read were opposed to it? Robert um, Kraft. Let me check my notes here real quick. Robert Jerry Kraft Jones. And, oh, Jerry Jones was the other one. It ain't happening. It, it, yeah, when, whenever you're, whenever you want the ownership group to agree on something, a couple of names need usually need to be in your corner, and they're not. So in order to add a 17th game, I think the CBA doesn't sign off on it unless – I'm sorry, the, the Players Association doesn't sign off on it uh, unless they lose some preseason games. And with Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft saying absolutely not on the preseason games, I don't see them adding the 17th game next year. Does it happen eventually? Yes, just not next year. That's a long-winded answer I'll buy for it. a very simple question, uh, but go ahead. Yeah, thanks. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll buy it for next year, and here's why. At the end of the day, what do all of these owners like, Sean? What, 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 what do they like? Well, they're going to get more money. They like, but that's... They like money. They yes. like money. And guess what? In a year in which revenues are going to be down, when a 17th game is going to be able to generate some additional revenue, ultimately this will get done. There will be posturing. There will be Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft saying no to eliminating preseason. But when it gets down to needing that additional revenue, everybody will get together and be like, you know what? We like money. Let's make more of it with this product that we have called the National Football League. Got an ASU-related buy or sell to close the show here on a Friday. ASU going to finish up their season, uh, what is it, tomorrow night, Sean? You, you would know better than I would. Tomorrow night's a late start for you. I think it's that 30 is start. That is also okay, correct. So you should get some sleep now for that game uh, tomorrow uh, when they take on uh, Oregon State and Corvallis. Now, my buy or sell is this idea that the Pac-12 put together of the seventh game at the end of the season was good in theory, but now as we sit here seeing it be executed, terrible idea from the Pacto. Buy or sell? Oh, I sell that. I, I completely sell that. Uh, it, it's still a good idea. I just, listen, in a year where nothing is played out as planned, right? Even your championship game, Washington next, Oregon being bumped up. You're only playing Oregon State because they were originally matched up with Utah, but they just played Utah, so they don't want them to play back-to-back, -back, so now they're flipping things around and you line up with them. So in a year where everything is not how you planned, it's hard for me to buy the reasoning as to why Arizona State is going up to Corvallis to play a football game when they've had one home game. And I know that some people are going to say, well, Crespin, it's their own fault, right? They had you know the COVID issues. I wouldn't say it's their own fault, but it is. It is that that's valid. Uh, but you're also you should be in the business as a as a uh, a conference of putting your member institutions in the best position possible. Oregon State has played. This will be their fifth home game. This game is being played at 8:30 at night with rain in the forecast. I never know if you've ever been to Corvallis, Chris, this time of year, but it rain in the forecast no. at 8.30 at night. Come on now. The hotels there don't allow you to have any kind of meeting whatsoever. It doesn't matter what size it is. So there's no film sessions available for ASU, no team meals, no team meetings at all. So the team can't even leave until the day of the game, the morning of the game. They're going to travel there, get on a bus, because you have to fly into Eugene, get on a bus and, 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 and travel from Eugene to Corvallis, which is about an hour, get off the bus, get changed, and then go play a football game. Like, we're putting these student-athletes in the best position, you know, to be successful. 
Meanwhile, Arizona State, with only one home game, is taking a, a major financial loss in a, dot, a lot of different situations as well. And yet you couldn't look at all of this as a conference and say, let's, let's do one of our member institutions a solid and give them a second home game. To me, that's where my issue with this weekend is. It's not, it's not with the fact that they're playing this game. More games, the better for everybody, including the conference. It's the way they're going, the, the way they, they want to stick by their guns in, well, ASU's lined up with Oregon State, and Oregon State has the one more win, so therefore we're going to send ASU on the road because that's the way we wrote it down at the beginning of the season. Did you write down that the second best team in the in the in, in a conference is going to be playing in the championship game? Did you write that down? Did you write down that, well, if Oregon State played Utah just a week ago, we're going to go ahead and change their game? Was that part of the initial plan as well? So if you're able to change all of these things, why not do a solid from one of your member institutions and get Arizona State another home game? Oh, and by the way, not make these student-athletes play at 8.30 at night in the freezing rain. Sorry, that's my tangent on that one. So I sell the idea that it's a bad idea to have this seventh game. I think that is a good thing. But I'm going to buy the fact that the, the, the of my own question, my own statement... <laughs> Yeah, that, you made up I'm your own. At, that I'm adding to the list with. that the Pac-12 yeah, could have done a thanks. solid for Arizona State, uh, one of their member institutions, and the student athletes on both schools, and put them in a better situation for to be to be successful. So to recap, if you've just joined us, if you've made it to this point of the show, we started with a Sean rant on the Raiders. Mm -hmm. We had a, a rant in the middle about the Cardinals for a little bit, and now we've closed with a rant about ASU. So. Yeah. Sean Crespin show today, everybody here on Football Friday. You get everything off your chest. Can I can I get us out of here? Can I get us into the weekend, or do you do more stuff? Maybe, um, you know, right as of right now, nothing's nothing's coming to mind. So I okay. think I might be good for now. Call me in an hour. Maybe oh, we'll do a side okay. little side, uh, you know, feature on the social media if something comes to mind. Okay. You know. With that in mind, you can follow the show on Twitter at Noble underscore podcast if those things do happen. If we do have a social media sidebar that needs to take place, you can follow me on Twitter at Shoe Radio. Uh, by the way, I do want to make a, a little bit of a PSA here for those of you that watched the Shoe In with Schubert yesterday. Uh, our second play right out of the gate canceled due to COVID. So there will be no Sunbelt Championship game between Coastal uh, and Louisiana. So you only get the two plays this week. So apologies there, but I do want to get that out in case you, you haven't seen that news. No game this week between Coastal and Louisiana. Yeah, Sean, because I knew when I when I put the video together that the game was going to get canceled. I didn't say You're anything. Right. I didn't say nothing. You can follow Sean on Twitter at screspin 2 Follow Jordan Simone at, on Twitter at JordanSimone38. Uh, so rate, subscribe, share the show with your friends, follow the show so you know when these episodes, wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Anchor, Pocket Cast, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, whatever app you use to get your podcast. So search Noble with Chris Cressman and Simone. Everybody have a fantastic weekend. We will be back on Monday.